May be seated. Just take a moment and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are present. Thank you that you are moving and working in our lives. And Father, we do pray that your word speak to our hearts, change our hearts, change our minds, let our eyes see, our ears hear. Father, we want to be made different because you met us in this moment. We want to meet you in each and every moment of each and every day. But speak, Lord, now we pray. May we hear and be changed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're wrapping up the season of Epiphany. I'm always shocked how our seasons of the church, it's like you start it and you end it in the same week. I don't know why that happens. And the only time it doesn't happen is ordinary time, which is a longer season of the church. And we've come through Advent. We moved into Epiphany. And uh, we'll be starting Lent on Ash Wednesday. And it's important for us to realize what happened in the midst of the seasons, or what God's speaking, or why were the scriptures lined up that way that we would better understand it. And Epiphany begins and ends with a voice from heaven. It begins, if you remember, at the, <clears throat> the baptism of Jesus. This is my beloved Son, and what? Who I'm well pleased. And we began Epiphany with the baptism of the Lord. And then we're concluding with the transfiguration. And I believe we heard it again. This is my beloved son, who I'm well pleased. He says, listen to him. And Epiphany is giving this bookends. Both occasions reveal the physical manifestation of the divine. Both of those moments, something divine happened. This, this incredible moment of encountering something so much greater. This manifestation takes place. And the season of Epiphany answers the question, who is this child that was born? From, from coming through Advent and coming to a place, Epiphany's answering the question, who is this child that was born? And Lent will, will reveal to us who is this that would go to the cross? Who is this Jesus? And it'll, it'll begin to reveal to us through the text and the scripture readings, and that's how it's lined up. And today we're, we're celebrating a feast of, uh, the, the, of the transfiguration. And it's told in the story in Matthew, and, he, and it goes on that it says in verse 1 of chapter 17, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother. And every time I read Peter, James, and John, do you ever wonder, because James and John are brothers, sons of Zebedee, Peter had a brother. You know who his brother is? Good job, church. Peter's brother, Andrew. Do you think Andrew's ticked off he wasn't included in the top three? Why don't I get to go, Jesus? James and John are going, you know. And the reason I say it, it's probably me. That's my selfishness and pride. It's like, why didn't you pick me, Jesus? Because you're doing this. That's why I didn't pick you. That's exactly why. Man... So I think Andrew's walking around like this. That's just my visual of Andrew. But he went on to be a great witness of the Lord and greater things God did. But for this, Jesus had gathered Peter, James, and John for several times to, for things to be revealed to them different than how it was revealed to others. And he gathers them together. And it says that uh, as he gathered James and John, his brothers, he led them up a high mountain by themselves because we know if, if you really want to hear Jesus, you need to go to the top of a mountain, right? And verse 2, and he was 
transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as a light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. This, this is something happened. He's transfigured. He's, he's transformed as a result of this moment. And, and maybe some of you uh, can relate to that meaning of transfiguration. What I know is as I've seen those, especially myself, when I didn't know Christ, and I was living in the world. I didn't surrender my life. Matter of fact, I was working on running as far away from him as possible. Because if, if, if I let him in, I knew I had to change my life. And the God I understood was a God that was really angry with me. So why would he want a relationship with me? And that was bad theology. But he was a God who loved me. But, but in a moment when I met him, and Christ came into my life, and I surrendered that plan for his plan. I was changed. A transfiguration happened in my life, and I didn't know it happened in that moment. And what happened was the countenance changed. Remember, Moses counted the glory of the Lord shone upon him. He had to veil his face, and we read in Exodus, he's on top of this mountain, and glory of God is present. And if you look in someone whose life is radically changed as a result of coming to a relationship with Christ... Their countenance changes. Usually because we go from, you know, crankiness to like there's a smile. The joy of the Lord is coming into my life. Something's different now. And there's this, this change that happens as a result of who he is and we're transformed. Well, this is far greater what is being revealed to them. And Peter, James, and John have a divine intervention, one that they'll never forget. The glory of God has been revealed to them in the personhood of Jesus. Think about that. The glory of God on top of that mountain, Peter, James, and John are there, and the glory of God is revealed to them in the personhood of Jesus. So what do we mean when we say that there's this divine intervention? What occurs? What happens? What is that about? Well, in this instance, a divine intervention is the divinity of God being revealed in the personhood of Jesus, in the humanity of Jesus, in, in who he was. And it's being revealed to Peter, James, and John for a greater work that was yet to come, that they had to understand this, that this fulfillment, the bookends of those two things, of, of, of the voice from heaven and the spirit ascending uh, descending upon Jesus to now on top of a mountain that God was revealing the fullness of who Jesus was. And that's being revealed in the personhood of who he was, in, in his humanity. And, and we often associate these divine moments as a miracle of God and, and that the Lord either intervened in something good or he prevented something bad from happening. We say that's a divine intervention. That's where God worked. That's where God did something. And whenever the Lord intervenes in our situation, it's not something that we could explain in the natural. It's not something we could just go, oh, let me explain exactly what happened. This is what Jesus did. Not all of it. It can't fully be explained in the natural, but could only be accredited to the supernatural. Meaning that there's a mystery and one of the things I think we're missing as a people of God that we got to lay hold of is we need to make some room in our life for mystery. That we don't need all the answers. That some things are left unsettled. I don't know how that happens, but Jesus does it. I'm good with that. I don't know how he came into my life, but he did. 
I don't know how he radically transformed my life, but he did. Something happened. This, this transformation happened as a result of who he is and uh, surrendering my life. And, and, and that moment takes place. And we've got to allow room for, for that mystery of what it might be and what he wants to do. And, you know, we, we just want everything explained. Look, today we just Google something. What does that mean? Oh, let me just Google that. I'll just figure that out. That's part of now uh, a sentence we use in everyday language. I'll just Google it. You didn't say that so many years ago. Uh, I've got one uh, bishop in another diocese, and uh, he's praying for this person new in the Lord, and, and they're new to Christ, and, and they get baptized in the Spirit, and they start speaking in tongues. and So the person picks up their phone, and it goes to uh, Google interpretation and starts speaking in tongues into the Google app to interpret what it was saying. Hey, what is this thing? And go and, You should all try that. Go home. and So you're trying to get the interpretation through Google. Now, I thought it would have been really cool if it interpreted it. <laughs> Lord, we got to work on that because... But we demand this explanation, explanation of, of what this can be. There has to be an answer, and some things don't have an answer. So that, that it's not fully, but it's being revealed to us. That we know, and that's, that's accredited to something supernatural. Not natural. Not, it's not natural the things that God does, it's divine. It's supernatural. It's incredible what he does and, 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 and we allow him to move in that way in our lives. And it goes on in verse four. It says, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. See, when we encounter the divine that divine moment, we encounter that, a divine moment. The first thing we need to do in our lives is be in that moment, not trying to get to the next one. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If God spoke a word in your life and you're not walking out in that word, he's not giving you a new one. He wants you to live out the word and what he's speaking in your life now. And lay hold of that word, of, of what he's speaking. Lay hold of what that is. And, and when we're encountering those moments, we're so quick to move on to the next moment. What, what have you done lately for me, God? But yet, to capture that moment, to allow room to let the Lord speak and work and, and recognize his hand in what he's doing in, in the little things and in the greater things that, that he's intervening in our lives and uh, allowing that to take place. And uh, Peter was quick to respond with a solution to what was happening. And God's saying, Peter, be in the moment. Be in this moment right now. And we're distracted. We're distracted. There's a spirit of distraction. And the enemy's plan is to just keep you distracted enough so you're out of the will of God. Think about that. Just that you're busy enough, that you're distracted enough in your life that we miss that moment because we're running to the next thing and the next thing. And I'm not saying life's not busy. Life is busy, and, 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 and we all have that. But, but do we leave margin? Do we create margin for those moments to occur? Do we allow that to happen, for that supernatural to come in? And, and when that moment happens, we're in that moment, and and it goes on in verse 5 through 8. And it says, while he's still speaking, behold, a bright light overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came from a cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then it says, hear him. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. 
There's something greater here that you need that's being revealed in who Jesus is. And Peter, James, and John got to see this revelation. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were greatly afraid. Why? Because they were in the presence of God. But Jesus came and he touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So much is happening on top of this mountain that Moses is representing the law. Elijah is representing the prophet. And they're representing the old covenant. And the old covenant is being fulfilled in Jesus, who is the new covenant. And he's making a new covenant with us in that relationship with him. And this is being fulfilled. And I think one of the most beautiful pictures that, that I can imagine, because when I try to close my eyes when I read the scripture and try to picture what it looks like. Like I picture Andrew running, you know, why am I not invited? I try to think outside the box. And I think, what was it like when they were on top and they were, were all of a sudden in the midst of this cloud and a voice from heaven came? Well, the first thing they recognize is that they're in the midst of something mighty and I better get on my face because that's where I should start. And they would lay prostrate because the presence of God was in the midst of them. And as they laid prostrate, they're worshiping and, and, and God is speaking. And, and it say, he says, listen, and he says, don't be afraid. And this is verse 7. Here's where, where divinity touches humanity again. Not just in the personhood of Jesus, of who he is. But Jesus, who, who the glory is filled with him, he touches the disciples. That he... he he touches them and says, it's okay. He says, arise and don't be afraid. He touches us and he says, rise, don't be afraid. The glory was revealed to Peter, James, and John. And Jesus brought them into a divine moment that would change them forever. This divine moment that would radically change them forever. The psalmist in Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see what, church, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That the Lord wants us to taste and see in these moments of what he wants to speak and do and reveal himself. And if you're looking uh, or if we're not looking for a supernatural moment for a divine intervention in our life, the truth is most likely it won't happen if you're not looking for it. Here's why I know that God was intervening in my life all along. I just didn't have eyes to see then. I could look back now and I can go, what an idiot I was. Or what a gracious, loving God I have of what he saved me from, what he intervened with, and how he met me in those moments. And, uh, you know, I tell a story that I used to think I was a guy with bad luck. I was the guy who always, like, no matter what, something was always falling upon me. And I used to contribute it somehow to luck. It had nothing to do with luck. I had a loving God with his thumb on my life because he had a plan and a purpose. And he was willing those things to happen, to intervene in my, in my life in that way. And, 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 if, and, all of a sudden there came a moment where I began to look for that intervention or that supernatural when, when I wanted that to occur in my life. And now that that's occurred in that relationship with him, I can taste and I can see that the Lord is good. That I could know that to be true. And if we're a people of faith seeking after God with expectancy and willing to take action, God will intervene and we will encounter those divine moments. That's what is supposed to happen. Divine moments take faith, expectancy, and action. That's something has to, we have a part to play in it. 
that we have to show up in it. And it starts with our faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1 reminds us what faith is. That Now faith is the substance, come on, of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And Martin Luther says it like this. Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. Amen. That if you're going to believe, you're going to have faith, it's a living thing. It's a bold trust in the favor of God, in the, God's grace. That, that, that this, it's this living thing, and it's, it requires boldness on my part to trust in that grace that he's given us. See, it's our faith in what we believe that leads us to these divine encounters with the Lord. It's what we believe that leads us to that place. See, faith in God transforms us, and then it's meant to work through us. That faith in what we believe, it transforms us. It changes us day to day that we're being shaped and molded in the image of who Christ is. And we're being changed as a result of that faith. That's why it only takes faith as small as a mustard seed that can move mountains. But that faith is to increase and grow in our life and change us. And, and a continual transfiguration should be happening in our own lives in that relationship with him through faith. Living in that bold trust in his, his grace that we have that faith first. Often we use the term expectant faith, but you can't have expectant faith if you don't have faith. you got to first believe. And when I believe and have faith, now it can be expectant. Now I can add on that expectancy. And expectancy is this. It's the willingness to put ourselves in a position for the Lord's divine intervention. That's expectancy. How am I positioning my life in a relationship with Jesus? How am I aligning my life? That's expectancy, a willingness that I will put myself in a position for the Lord to do something in my life. That I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself there. Did, you know, we use that term, being in the right place at the right time. God's bigger than you being in the right place at the right time. He's bigger in that moment. Or is he meeting us in each of those moments of the right place at the right time because we're expecting it? That we're coming in that way and, and, and that he's intervening in those places. See, our relationship with the Lord is learning how to posture our lives to be in that right place at the right time. Not just hoping we're in the right place at the right time, but leading our lives to be in the right place at the right time. What I can tell you this morning is right now you're in the right place at the right time. Amen. That I know for sure. And that we're going to position our lives to be expected, to have that faith and be expected. Third thing is action. And action is walking out our faith in thought, word, and deed. We confess our sins in thought, word, and deed. But we need to walk out our faith in thought, word, and deed. The cleansing of a renewing of our mind and how important that is in, in the word in our lives and that deed, that action, that response as a result of who he is. Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do in your word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do in word and deed, do it all in my name. Whatever you do, do it in word and deed. Do it all, whatever you do. That means when we go to work, whatever you do, do in my name. When in our community, when you're going through, whatever you do, do in my name. We encounter those that are on the street or passing by or 
or those moments that God makes, those encounters, whatever you do, do in my name, in word and deed. See, divine moments will always lead us to a divine opportunity that is bigger than just that moment. We want to capture that moment and then somehow just, just stay in that moment. But that moment's going to lead us to a place of opportunity. See, that very transformation, that thing that Jesus did in our life, is something that we're called to bring into others' lives. That, that it leads to opportunities as a result of that moment or that occurrence or, or that very thing happening in our lives. That's the action part that we're to live out. When the Lord reveals himself in some way to us, it's for our benefit, his glory, and the benefit of others. So it's for our benefit that God's moved in a way in our life. And, 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 and think about those moments where he did. And, and I implore you to write them down and save them and journal them because God's moving in our life each and every day. And, and we want to grab hold of those moments, be reminded of those moments, but it's not a moment that we just put away. It's something he did for a purpose in our life, and it's something that brings him glory, but it's also to, bring a, to be beneficial into others' lives, to share in others' lives. That, that we've encountered, we've had this transformation as a result of meeting who he is. See, when we have a divine moment in our life, it's something that should be cherished. It's a moment we met with God in a way we haven't met with him before. And, and, and he's made a way for us that, that that is available to us each and every day to have that moment with him, a divine moment to meet him there. But our faith needs to abound and we've got to be expecting to meet him there and then we've got to take action when it does happen that that it's happening and, and God's moving and working in our lives in some way so here's what I think as we go out this week and we prepare ourselves for Lent that's coming up on Wednesday prayerfully we should be asking the Lord Lord help me increase my faith use the measure I have but Lord would you increase it during this Lent season Father would you give me the ability to position myself to be expectant. That I'm expecting to meet you each and every day, Lord. That you're going to meet me in, in this place. And then, Lord, show me how to be in action in my faith. What, what does that look like that I can share those moments? See, when we're called to look for those divine moments, the Lord wants to bring something new in our life. He wants to do something or speak something in our life, and, and he's trying to reveal that to us, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others, that, that the whole plan of, of his kingdom coming to earth and, and, and impacting the world was that through his disciples, they would share those encounters they had with him and what the gospel meant in that message. And we're called to share those moments of, of what the Lord has done and that we have those holy encounters with the Lord, those divine moments. But if we're not looking for them, they're not going to happen. But if we have faith and expectancy and then willing to walk in it, we're going to see God in ways we've never seen him move before in our lives. My prayer is that during Lent you'll press in in a way and you'll ask God to begin to reveal himself to have your own transfiguration or a new moment, a holy moment in your life, but that we, we maybe through a dream, Lord, as I go to rest this night, speak, Father, as I sleep or in a vision that he'll reveal or, or maybe through his scriptures, his word would be revealed in a way or maybe in a conversation that you're having with another brother or sister and how important that is to have those relationships. God has spoken through people 
in my life more ways through a conversation than any other way in my life. Because I have brothers and sisters who are in my life and, and are willing to speak truth and love and they're hearing the voice of God and that's revealing things to my life and willing to have that conversation that creates those divine moments. Or that we have this moment that those we encounter. See, here's what the Lord was speaking to me at the last service at the end of the Eucharist. It's not just for us to encounter a divine moment, but he wants us to bring that divine moment into others' lives. Why? Because you could be part of that divine moment for them. If Christ is in us, then we're bringing Christ to man as a result of that, to those that we encounter. And, and that, for them, might be a moment that you're sowing a seed. I know it will be in their life, that you're sharing that good news in their life. So, so be expectant this Lent. Let your faith increase, and may the Lord call us to action and as he speaks in every divine moment that we meet him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we know you speak in spite of us, Lord, that you reveal yourself each and every day. And the battle we fight is for ourselves to persevere in our faith and, and, and to meet you even through our struggles. And Lord, greater are you in the midst of our struggles and that we would find you there in that place and in that moment. And Father, we want those holy encounters and we want to be expecting that you speak each day, but it starts with first a relationship with you. And if we don't have that relationship with you, how are we going to hear from you? And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord in that way, that's where it begins, that by grace through faith that, that he, he gives us an invitation to come in a relationship with him. But we've got to turn from the old ways and come and walk in this new way of life. And what that means is it says, yes, Lord, I'm willing to surrender and walk in that new way of life with you. And he makes an invitation. And it's not something we earned or deserved. It's grace. It's a free gift. It's a gift of eternal life that he promises us. But we got to respond to the gift. we got to take it. And Jesus makes an invitation that this could be a divine moment for you in your life of asking him in your life that way. And if you don't know him that way, I want to give you this moment and I want to pray with you. And if you'd like to pray with me to know him, in that way, just raise your hand right now. We'll just pray and ask the Lord in your life in that supernatural way. Thank you, Lord. Here's what I want you to do now. I want you to pray for those around you, for siblings, for spouses, for children, for grandchildren, for loved ones. Lord, that you would come in their lives. Lord, give them a divine moment, a supernatural moment. Lord, uh, Reveal yourself to them. And if it's not through us, send someone else in their life right now. But use us, Lord, that they would come too to that saving knowledge of who you are for our friends, for our neighbors, for our co-workers. God, we want to see your glory revealed in their life. Do a work in them this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord and taking up our offering. So let us walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all.